What's going on, everybody? And welcome to this episode of the B3 Podcast. Today, mostly we're going to be discussing the game against Crystal Palace at Goodison and how we ended up with three points, a number of aspects of the game, including specific player performances, a few stories from the news, also discussing today's game, amongst others, and what we can look forward to later this month when we head to Old Trafford. All that coming up on the B3 Podcast. What is up, Blues fans? Three points at Goodison. Nine points in the last three games. Everton have gotten the win. A few different names on the score sheet. A whole number of positive things to get into that we'll discuss. But all in all, just something to be excited about. It was a good Sunday. We've struggled with Sunday games recently. Um, haven't had that many wins in, on our Sunday games. But alas, today... We got the three points in an unusual fashion. We left it a little late to get the goals in, but it doesn't really matter. We won the game. That's one of the things I want to get into is something that we ha- didn't do earlier in the season and it kind of shows our progress uh, and shows how we can be compared to the teams who started the season a lot better in terms of uh, points and table position is winning ugly. So winning games that you're not performing the way that you necessarily want to um, and performing not how the manager set out uh, to when the game first began or when he was prepping the team during the week. So earlier in the season, we had a couple of draws. We were drawing teams like Huddersfield at home, which that's no good. Wolves, we were, I mean, we're down to 10 men. So, I mean, it was a good performance in the end, but still kind of, you know, in terms of how we wanted to be performing as a whole this season. A draw against a team that's newly promoted is not something that we would want. But anyway, winning a game in a a manner that you don't plan to in terms of possession of the ball, I mean, we were okay, but in terms of shots on target, opportunities created, how much we wanted to be in control of the game as a whole, we could have we could have lost that game. We could have been totally out of control if uh, Pickford hadn't made that really really good penalty save. That game could have gone very very differently. But we ended up with a clean sheet. So the few th- and that was a total turning point. I mean, there are a few things that were in our favor that turned the game on its head and helped us kind of stay away from panicking and allow us to get into the game in a positive manner. One of which is the fans getting behind the team. I mean, after that penalty was saved. Obviously, I, I'm. I was watching in the U.S. I mean, I was watching on TV, but even here, I mean, the atmosphere f- through the television was amazing. I mean, the, it was night and day, and there were moments when it was totally silent in the first half, 
and you, you couldn't hear anything. I mean, you could hear a pin drop in the entire stadium. There was no buzz. There was no chanting going on. But when that penalty save was made, the, the place absolutely erupted, and it stayed that way for a major part of the rest of the game. So being able to win games ugly, basically, uh, just not, you know, there's nothing really too flashy going on. You're, the, the team doesn't seem massively confident. Um, it's just, it's it's a good sign because, I mean, the Liverpool ac- across the uh, across Stanley Park there, I mean, they were away at Huddersfield. And they only won 1-0. I mean, it was an early goal, and they were held to held to one goal against a team who struggles. I mean, yeah, they still won, and, and yes, we only drew Huddersfield, but they clearly a team who's been performing the way that they have early on. That's not the type of performance that they, they want to have. In, again, another example would be Arsenal against Cardiff. Yes, they ended up winning the game, but to let in as many goals as they did. I think it ended 4-3 or 4-2 or, uh, or something like that. They, Arsenal didn't want to be performing against a team that everyone basically is predicting is going to be relegated right back down. They got their first win of the season on match week nine yesterday. They, they aren't looking at conceding goals or, or being in a losing position in that game um, or on their heels. They It's... Uh, it's a team that they go and they, they, they want to be able to play their own game. They want to be in full control, and they weren't the entire time. Same as Everton wasn't today. In the first half today, we struggled at times. The It was very scrappy. There were a lot of fouls. The ref wasn't too bad. I mean, he, he was calling a lot, and he was uh, missing a few opportunities to kind of get, get players off, uh, even off the field, or, or get players into the book. Um, one of which was uh, Richarlison being pushed by Tompkins uh, when he had that th- run through the middle. Might have been too light for a, a card or, or to be sent off, but he was the last defender, and it could have been. I mean, on a different day with a different referee, I, he could have been off. We could have, They could have been down to 10 men. We could have been up a man as early as that in the game. And, and again, that would change the, the total the total face of the game. There was no flow to the game. There was no continuity there was a lot of stop and go it was very choppy as were a lot of the tackles there was a lot of uh, somewhat dirty tackles flying in from I mean from both sides I mean Richarlison kind of left his elbow out a little bit for Sacco early on that he got clattered from behind by Tompkins in the middle of the field when they both went up for the ball so it was a very physical game which is always going to be expected of a team like Crystal Palace but we Marco Silva definitely didn't see the game panning out the way that it did at least in the first half that being said, we made a lot of changes in the second half. We, we were much more positive with the ball at our feet. We started creating more chances. Then Coleman had the slip-up. He left his leg out. Zaha, the player that he is, when he feels contact like that in the box, he's always going to go down. If you hit him with any amount of force, down he goes. He's going to turn around to the referee and put his hands up. Quite honestly, it's annoying as hell to watch, and I would imagine it's exponentially even more irritating to be playing against him, especially at the professional level. He was just probably just pissing players off all game. That being said, though, Kurt Zuma did have him in his pocket for a lot of the game. He didn't have too much involvement. He didn't get opportunities to run at people too often. He had a couple of crosses into the box that were somewhat dangerous, but nothing super convincing, but he, he drew the penalty. 
top drawer save by Pickford. It was a, a poor penalty. Um, was it Milivojevic, I think is his name? Was It was a poor penalty. I mean, he it was too low if he was going to go down the middle. So I don't know that he was actually trying to go that central. I think he might have been hoping that he was going to send Pickford the other way. But Pickford, in a post-game interview, said that he, he knew that he was the type of player that likes to curl him. Uh, he tries to put some whip on the ball. So Pickford was always going to go down to his left. So he dove. And when he dove, he realized that the ball was going down the middle and he just kind of left his trailing leg out and, and was able to keep it out. Goodison erupted. The game switched. We were in much more control. The fans were behind the players, which were kind of giving us a second wind. More time goes by than he... Marco Silva subs Jank Tozun on, takes Bernard off, pushes Richarlison out wide, and Tozun's up top now. Another massive change in not only the game itself, but kind of a little bit of the style of play. I mean, we were still playing Marco Silva's system, but there was more hold-up play going on. We were able to use Tozun a little more because he's used to that role versus Richarlison, who's used to being in wider areas and kind of running at guys. So it was a good positive change. And then finally brings on the last two subs, Dominic Calvert-Lewin and Adamola Lookman. So Walcott comes off. Lookman goes out on the right, and uh, Andre Gomez uh, comes off the pitch as well to a, a really good uh, ovation to the fans. We'll, I'll get more into his specific performance in just a minute, but he comes off. Fans are very happy, happy with his performance in, as a whole. A little bit more time goes by. We're in, now getting towards the last five, ten minutes of the game. 86th minute rolls around. Lookman gets the ball out from under his feet and is able to float one to the box. 1-0. Dominic Calvert-Lewin heads one, away, heads one down. Hennessy got a hand to it. Um, credit to him, but there was much too much power in the header by the by the forward. It was very good uh, very good play. I mean, and, and it was two substitutes made who were involved in that goal. Next goal, Crystal Palace were putting a little bit of pressure on, on Everton's right wing, Palace's left wing. Ball comes loose. Keane steps up, puts his boot through it, and Tozun runs on, gets a very good first first touch, runs at Hennessy one-on-one with a couple of defenders trailing him back, uh, and he's able to knock it through Hennessy's legs, a little bit of power, and celebrate a goal on the same week that he, I believe his wife just had a had a baby. So congratulations to Jenk. I don't, I don't think he's listening, but congratulations to you. He had a hell of a week. But a lot of positive things, really, in the second half. That it shows that we were able to make a change. That we that we adapted. That I mean, we a lot of the discussion by the pundits and by uh, kind of some of the journalists that were asking questions of the players and asking questions of Silva were the that the likes of like you know, are you happy with the performance? But the the main one was it seems that you guys were very patient. Is that something that you were trying to do? And kind of as an outsider watching, you know, as a fan watching it, it was somewhat frustrating the how late he left his substitutions. Uh, but I guess you kind of wanted to trust the players that he made. He didn't want to make too many changes at once and kind of break the flow. So he wanted to allow players to settle in as he brought them on. But the, the changes that he made were not only were they late, but they were, they were very, um, I mean, they were correct. I mean, he, 
he the three subs that were brought on they were all involved there there was a lookman to dcl was the first goal so lookman assisted a goal and dcl scored one and then tozun scores the other he brings three players on and three of them change the game and and win the game for us uh so in previous podcasts i mentioned people who were saying you know silva out already that they never trusted him i think you should probably start thinking twice because uh i think he's absolutely smashed this one he he got it right that he he knew that changes needed to be made and he brought the right people on he trusted lookman who's kind of been out of sorts he performed well in the international break for the under 21s as did uh, calvert lewin brought him on there was not a huge ovation for lookman coming on but you could tell that there were a little bit of pe- little you know clusters of people and, and groups of people around the stadium that were excited to see him coming on and it's a positive thing they came on they made a change and it shows that silva knows how to handle kind of single games that he his match management is positive and that's where managers kind of make their money that's what you're supposed to be able to do you're supposed to yeah i mean you can anyone can go out and put 11 of the best players on a team onto the pitch and just kind of hope that things go well and if things are going well then you know everyone will just kind of applaud you for you know the team that you put out but when a team's struggling and the and the team's it doesn't look like the team's definitely beginning winning the game and not everything's going to plan it's a very scrappy game as was as today's was it shows there it shows his knowledge of the game and, and that he's able to make positive changes and the correct ones and win us the game so Good on you to Silva and uh, those who have been a little anti-Silva lately and, and haven't been trusting him or trusting the process. I think you should uh, give it some thought and think a little bit of twice. Think think twice about it. Moving specifically into the debutante's performance, Andre Gomez had a, had a very, very good performance for someone coming from La Liga to the Prem. There's been moments when there have been weak performers from... La Liga coming to the prime that they can't, they're not used to the physicality. I mean, La Liga is still pretty quick. The pace is about the same, but the physicality isn't something that's uh, as easily matched as the prime. It's a little bit more physical. There are bigger defenders. Um, the, the midfield is a little bit more scrappy and competitive, which is, and Gomez was right in the middle of it today. Uh, and he played very well. I personally think in the first half that he could have been a little bit more aggressive in his passing. That I mean, it, it, all in all, it was a great first game. Um, he got a good first run out. He got acclimated to the game a little bit. Now he's he's gonna be able to let these thoughts percolate a little bit. In the next start that he comes out, or the next time he's on the pitch, he can use what he learned in this game. But and you could tell that he was a little uh, he was a little he was playing a little safe. He was keeping the ball. He was going backwards more than forwards. He wasn't trying too many penetrative passes, trying to you know shoot some gaps or, or put it over a couple of defenders in the middle, which he has the ability to do. The one pass that I know that he is strong on that have that I watched a highlight of him do it for Barcelona is when he's a part of part of a um, a line of players moving forward when there's not not even necessarily just counterattacking, but when we collect the ball in the midfield and we can kind of break forward a little bit, if he's amongst those players moving forward and he can receive the ball, he's good at threading passes into the channels just on the outside of the posts. 
So that kind of five to eight yards between the uh, you know left and right posts, depending on what side he's on, there's normally the the members of the back four, so the fullback and the the center back. There's always the possibility of a slight gap, and if someone's making a run in behind those two people, he's very good at slotting a ball into there for someone who can then either get a shot on goal or cut it back for somebody else. And he didn't try it to. He had one today when he puts. Uh, it might have been. I can't remember who it was, but it, he he slotted somebody through, and it, it was a good ball. And and as, as the second half kind of kicked off, and and we needed someone in the midfield to kind of take control of the game a little bit, he did that. And he played very. He, he in the second half he played a, much better. He played more aggressively, and he was not gambling more, but he was he was making more positive decisions on the ball uh, rather than safe ones. But he's very very good at protecting the ball. Uh, his his protection of the ball was exceptional. It was he, if when guys were on his back or uh, he was being pressured by somebody, he he always was able to put his body between them and the ball and hold his own, uh, which is a good sign. Because like I said, that can be a little bit of a challenge coming from La Liga. Uh, and then in presser situations, he picks the right passes. Uh, when when we're on the defensive side or we just collected the ball from that, if we just won possession and he receives kind of the first pass, or if he's the one who takes the the ball off of somebody, his, his first pass is, is correct in those pressure situations, which is good. And that partially will have to do with his training at Barcelona and just his, his age and experience. Then the last thing that I'll say, and again, I'm very, very happy with his performance as a fan. I think that he played very, very well. Uh, and I, and Silva agrees. He said in a, in a post-game press conference that he was very happy with his performance and that he provides a different style of play and a different player's profile than Davies does. And, you, and we all know that um, Silva likes Tom Davies, that he's played him a few times, that he's that he's that he likes his style. But Gomez provides a different player profile. But the other thing that I will say about Gomez's performance is that in some moments, his choices will be different in this game, as because it was his debut game, obviously, than in the future. The, the biggest one being that um, he had that curling effort with his left foot that went somewhat wide, I think Hennessy would have always had it. It was kind of low, and Hennessy was able to see it. it. He wasn't blocked by uh, by any players. He kind of saw the ball the whole way, and he was down early to try and get a hand on it, uh, and it went wide anyway. But in that moment, you could see that Gilfie Sigurdsson, he didn't get upset with him, but uh, you can kind of see that he was disappointed with Gomez's choice because we all know the quality that Sigurdsson has when he puts his boot through the ball that he can always kind of get a, get a ball on target there. He... He didn't pass the ball essentially there, and I think that being that it was his first game, he might have had a little bit of overexcitement there. Uh, he was able to beat the man. He he cut from his right foot onto his left, and once he was inside, he was just going to kind of take the shot. The decision was made, but I think in the future, and with this type of player that he is, and the type of previous training that he's had, he's going to have that innate ability and that innate uh, thought process to just make the pass there, uh, and he's going to know the more he plays with Sigurdsson, and then and other guys in the team that he's that that might have not been the best decision today to take the shot but I think the fans are happy and the fans were they applauded his efforts um and I think that uh all in all it was a very good performance moving on to the next 
was Lookman. He, I mean, he's not a debutant, obviously, but he hasn't had many minutes this season so far. But when he came onto the pitch, he was creative. He was, you know, doing some stepovers. He was taking guys on. He was kind of uh, in, I mean, in basketball, you'd say, you know, calling somebody out kind of thing. He he would hold the ball up and just kind of stand somebody up, essentially. And, and he would force them to make a decision. The one that was that definitely stood out was uh, early in the uh, between 80th and 90th minute. It was like 81st or 82nd before the goal was scored. He won the free kick, and he took the guy on, and he he definitely beat him, and he caused him issues, and he got fouled. I mean, he drew, he drew the free kick, but it was kind of an unusual one too. He kind of like stayed down and kind of waited for the whistle to go, and everyone was kind of wondering what the hell was going on, but he's creative and he, and he gets the ball in the positive areas. I think that we could possibly see uh, a resurgence of him in the squad that he might end up finding himself there somewhat regularly. And he's at least caused an issue with Silva to, to force him to make decisions, which is a very positive thing. Next would be Tozun. I like to go into discussing his performance that he obviously has struggled um, somewhat. He, I mean, he's finally, he Finally got the goal against Fulham, which was more a credit to Walcott's ability to find him in the box than his goal-scoring ability. Walcott put the put the ball on a plate for him, and all he had to do was get his head on it, uh, which he did, and, and he scored there, and then he scored again today. I think that Tozun might be kind of a Giroud-style striker, that he's not necessarily the type of forward, at least this season so far, that just takes the game by the scruff of the neck and wins the game for his team. That he he's always positive on the ball. That he's doing everything that he's doing is correct. Kind of everything he touches turns to gold. I, in a ninety-minute performance, I don't think that that is Giroud's. I mean, uh, that that that's Tozun's style. I think similar to Giroud's style when he was at Arsenal uh, was. I mean, I think it was like eleven, eleven or more goals that. Giroud had scored coming off of the bench that season. And I think that Tozun is similar to that. I think that he's not the quickest. Uh, his pace isn't you know, necessarily a major aspect of his game. He's not slow, but he's not. it's not a major aspect of his game. And I think that when the rest of the players on the field have already got 70, 75 minutes under their belt already, that him coming on fresh is a, is a big game changer. I think that he performs at a higher level, that he his uh, thinking processes will be quicker than the, the center backs and the fullbacks that he's up against. And I think that he's much more of an impact sub than a 90-minute player. I could be wrong. Maybe he'll prove me wrong. Uh, maybe he'll start at United and you know score one right off the bat. Maybe he'll score a first half goal and just kind of change the game right away. Maybe you know having a, a, his wife having brought a new child in the world that he's got a new outlook on life maybe maybe he's a little bit more of a positive thinker and he's he's got a, a new energy um either that or he's going to be really tired because the baby won't stop crying at night we'll have to see um the last people that i kind of would discuss obviously would be pickford absolute hero today um got that game changing penalty save kept us in the game uh, and he had a few other saves uh throughout the game that were very very positive and forced uh, Palace to try and kind of play their best football, which I don't know that they did. I mean, I don't think they played very poorly. I think that they were 
arguably the better team in the first half. Uh, but again, Pickford were, Pickford was up to the challenge, as he almost always is. Kept the ball out of the net. Played very well. Um, and just a positive performance by the goalie. Uh, and Coleman was back today. Coleman, back in the team. He suffered another injury on injury on international duty. Um, but he's, he's back in the team. He's back to performing the way he used to, and he's back with his teammates. And he captained the team today, which I think is a, a very fitting idea. I think um, with Tom Davies off the field, he kind of would be first choice if Coleman's playing. Um, if Coleman wasn't playing, it normally would go to Sigurdsson. But I think Coleman kind of embodies what Everton as, as a whole are about. Um, just always putting your best foot forward. You can never knock Coleman. The one thing you can never say about Coleman is that he doesn't put a shift in, that he's not working hard. It's the one thing that he'll always do. If he's not performing his best, if he's kind of getting eaten up by the midfield a little bit or the counterpart fullback on the opposite side is kind of in control of most of the attacking movements that he's trying to do and he gets caught on the break, that's... That's something that might happen. But the one thing you'll never be able to say about Coleman is that he's not working hard. He always puts a shift in. He always does everything and anything that is expected of him and and anything that the manager is wanting him to do. Uh, And I think that that's something that we all need to keep in mind. And also, it was his first game back, and he played decently well. I mean, he gave the, the penalty away, obviously. But it was his first game back from injury. And keeping that in mind, it was a very good performance by him. Now, moving on to kind of the more general news and the general effect that this game has on the table, I discussed it in the previous episode that this was a good opportunity this week to kind of not only get nine points out of three games, just get three wins in a row, which is a huge accomplishment, especially considering our early performances. But it's also, or it was also a a, a good opportunity to move up the table and just kind of rip open this the gap between fifth and tenth kind of this bottom half of the table i mean even down to 11th and 12th brighton around 11 points lester on 12 which is where we were and they haven't played yet they got to play arsenal but running from fifth place to down to 12th basically it's arsenal with on 18 points bournemouth on 17 watford on 16 Everton in 8th on goal difference with 15. Wolverhampton with 15. United 14. Leicester 12 with a game in hand, so they could be up to 15th as well. And then Brighton, we can throw them in there, throw them a bone on 11th, on 11 points in, in 12th place. Now, this these are all this is all one game. Like, this is one game different. One game makes a difference, essentially. That if Everton lose one and, and Wolves win one, you're three points behind. You know, Man United, if we can, if that's a, I mean, this would be a huge game coming up uh, against them in uh, on the weekend. I mean, if we can get a point against them and kind of keep, even get a point away against them, it would keep this part of the table, this aspect of the table, just, again, just ripped wide open and kind of keep ourselves and all these other teams like Bournemouth and Watford, uh, Leicester, like these other teams. I mean, those teams, I I think Everton definitely belongs in in where they are. I think that we can battle for a a top four or a fifth, sixth, seventh place. I mean, those are almost given that we should be 
within a point or or battling for those positions. But the teams like Bournemouth and Watford and Wolves that don't necessarily belong in this area of the table right now, if we can get a point against United or even beat them, I mean, there, there's a lot of bad press going on and it's, it's not just their performances that everyone are focusing on, that everyone's focusing on. I mean, they, they drew Chelsea. They could have beat Chelsea, but they drew them in the end. It's it's a good time to be going to Old Trafford right now because there's a lot of question marks up in the air and their performances haven't been entirely positive. And I think this is a, a, a big chance for, for us to go there and kind of keep this part of the table open. Now, the, the, I mean, the result of today's win was that we jumped quite substantially up this part of the table. Now, that being said, and, and along with what I just said about this weekend, it, it also leaves that opportunity massively, it leaves that door wide open for the for the other teams in this same area. I mean, like I said, if we lose this weekend against United and, and Wolves win, then they're three points ahead of us. If Watford wins and we lose, you know, it's it's all very, very wide open right now. But we're three wins on the trot. We've got some positive energy going on. I think that uh, this is going to be another opportunity for Silva to demonstrate his match management. I think that, he, yes, he's going to keep his same style and keep his main system because that's just, I mean, when you're a manager, you have your system and you stick to it. But this is going to be a game where he's going to have to adapt a little bit and and try and get a win at Old Trafford, which we, we've had a, a, some successes in the recent past, but this is going to be an opportunity for Silva to demonstrate his his strength as a manager and try and put us. I mean, we, it would put us depending on how the other games go. I mean, right now Bournemouth and Watford are ahead of us, which is not something I I see continuing. I don't think that either of those teams are going to be in seventh uh, or you know sixth or seventh by the end of the season. Eighth, ninth, tenth, maybe, but where where they are now, no, that's not happening. So if we can get a win against United and put those teams below us, you know, we're, we'd be in at least sixth. If Arsenal were to lose to Leicester tomorrow, we could be in fifth. And then we're, like I said in the last episode, we'll be part of some press discussions. We'll, it would be four wins on the trot. It'd be a huge positive, even just a, a massive addition to the already positive energy and the positive feeling we have going on around the club. And I think that that's something that we need to to pay attention to. Obviously, we can't get too excited. I mean, we're, we've had a great run of form recently, and it's not going to be an easy game to win. But it's just, again, it's another massive opportunity for us to to kind of grab the season by the scruff of the neck and just let everybody know what, what the team's all about. That we're signing pretty big names, we're signing positive players, making positive moves. This is a time for for Silva, the team, and for the fans all to kind of rally together and really kind of just push this possibility of us finishing in the top four. Walcott said it, and there's there's a lot of people who have been thinking it and discussing it. And I think that if we can continue this run of form, and even if we got a point at Old Trafford and just, we've got a very, we've got a positive run of, run of games after that. Our schedule is, we're going to be playing against Cardiff, uh, the the one difficult one we've got is away to Chelsea, which is which is uh, kind of sandwiched between um, two games against. I think one is away to Cardiff or home to Cardiff. Uh, I'm I'm gonna pull it up right now. Let's see. 
let's see. So our schedule from from here on out, I mean, it's going to be Manchester United obviously next away. But the next month, the three games that we have are Brighton at home, Chelsea away, and Cardiff, Cardiff at home. So we've got two games that are not obvious, not definite wins, obviously. I mean, Brighton are in decent form. Uh, Cardiff got their first win um, today, so they're not rooted to the bottom of the table anymore. But this is these are two games that, I mean, as a team that's got three wins on the trot right now that, you know, depending on how we perform against United this upcoming weekend, we'll be in in positive form all in all and have a positive buzz around the around the club that those two games are that we can get six points there and then if we can scrape a draw or just play well even against Chelsea no matter what the outcome is November can be another positive month and I think that that's huge I think that having these three wins on the trot that we that we beat Leicester we're able to uh, beat Fulham and now we were able to scrape this win um, against Palace in the end and, and you know, kind of turn it into a positive performance. If we'd drawn that game, I think a lot of the press would be very different. I think that there would be more negative highlights, that there would be just, you know, negative discussions all in all. But this is a huge opportunity for us to continue good form, that November would be a positive month. Then we've got a lot of games in December. We've got seven games in, in December. Uh, the first one is across... Stanley Park there against Liverpool will be the Merseyside Derby. But then after that, home to Newcastle, home to Watford. So two, another another two home games that are against clubs that we should be beating and that we can be beating. Then we got Man City away. Not going to be an easy game, clearly, but something that we can be excited about. Um, it would be, be a good game. I mean, I think that, we'll, that we can perform well then that would be probably one of the most difficult runs that we've had so far this season. After that, it would be City, like I said. Then we're home to Tottenham, and then we're away at Burnley, which is, in, which is never an easy game, but still uh, a game that we can look forward to points-wise. But I'll avoid getting too far ahead and discussing too deeply uh, you know, games that are far down the line. But between going to a struggling Manchester United at Old Trafford, and then a a favorable group of games in November. That this is a, a really big opportunity. I mean, we're on um, what do we have? Fifteen points now, fifteen points in ninth. E- I mean, we'll easily be on at least you know twenty two points probably by the end of November. But it's we can kind of push the envelope and we can just kind of start worrying teams. The big teams will always have uh, games where they'll be losing points, dropping points, um, you know, maybe even just not getting any points, just, you know, not just a draw against a smaller team, but going somewhere and just getting thrashed. I mean, we did it to City a couple seasons ago under Koeman, 4-0. That we, it was a, I don't think anyone expected it, but again, it's, it's possible. Will it always happen with us? Will we always be the ones that kind of cause these wins and kind of pull these wins together and rally together as a team. I mean, I'd like to hope so, but it's not always going to be us. But the point that I'm getting at is that big teams are going to drop points somewhere. I mean, it's not very often that there's going to be perfect seasons, that perfect seasons are going to be held for, you know, very long. There's there's going to be a point when teams are going to be 
dropping dropping points and having poor performances. And with this run uh, in November coming up, and if we can kind of gain some confidence and get this snowball effect going on, that we can find ourselves in the top four, and then it's not a matter of getting into the top four and fighting for it, then the new discussion is ever in staying in the top four. When Watford was in the, I mean, they were top of the table for like a week, but if, you know, if they're in the top three, everyone says, well, it's just a matter of time until they're out of it, out of it, that, you know, Watford aren't going to be in a champion, Champions League spot and everyone's expecting them and just waiting for their, for their fall, which has already started. But if Everton are in the top four, with the history that the club has and how we've performed in not necessarily the, the past couple of years, but in recent history, that we're always in the mix there, at least for part of the time. And I think that that's something that needs to be paid attention to. That it's going to be a different discussion when we're in the top four uh, in comparison to these other teams like Bournemouth who are up there right now. And I think that we need to look forward to that. And I think we need to keep that in mind as we go into these games this next month. I think out of these four games, what do I expect to get? I would like to say 12 points. Realistically, I can see us walking away with two wins at least. So it would be that would be the Cardiff game and the Brighton game. So I think that we get six points there. I see that almost, I mean, I want to say definitely, but I'd like to say almost definitely that Everton gets six points from two home games against Brighton and against Cardiff. So that'd be six. If we can get a point away at Old Trafford or three, that would be nine um, or seven. And then we've got Chelsea away. So I, I say, let's say, I, I, I could see us getting eight points, probably. Two wins, two draws. It's not out of the question. Um, to get 12 would be a dream. But I'd say I'd say a conservative a conservative uh, a conservative seven two wins, one draw, and then we that we uh, that we can't win at Stamford Bridge against Chelsea, which again will be a very interesting game because we're going to be playing against Barkley. Be interested to see how that goes. But I think that we've got a lot to look forward to again. I think that right now is a very positive time around the club, and then we need to latch onto that and kind of keep going. Get the snowball effect going. Get get ourselves in the top half of the table. Get the fans excited. Keep ourselves in a realistic mindset, but also know that we're a team that can fight for a Champions League spot and that we can be part of this quote-unquote big six that everyone's talking about, which is a load of garbage. I mean, Manchester United is considered part of the big six right now, and look at them. They've had a terrible run of form recently. They're, they're, about to, they're on the verge of sacking their manager, essentially, uh, and then they basically rescued their season's, season against Newcastle and then drew Chelsea away. I think it's just a matter of time. We could be the team that causes Marino to lose his job. And I think that there's a few people out there that would say, you know, let's do it because there's a lot of people that aren't big fans of him. But I think we we could be the ones that, that get, him out, get him out of the job. Uh, we could be the ones that cause, you know, who knows, Zidane to come to the Premier League. Who knows who, who his replacement would be. But I think the discussion's always already going on, um, and if he can't string a couple of wins together, you know we could be the ones that make him lose his job, and that'd be that'd be interesting to see. But all in all, today was a good day. 
Everton won. We've got three wins on the trot now. We've got a fairly decent run of form. We've got you know two big teams to play and then two small teams to play. We've got a lot to be excited about. And uh, today was today was a good demonstration and a good showing by the team. And it could be a, a good kickstart to this as the winner comes in. A good beginning of the snowball effect. All that being said, that about wraps up today's episode of the B3 Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. If you've got anything you'd like to say, anything you'd like to chime in on what was said in this podcast or about the game, follow us on Instagram at Blue Blood Bias, or you can search the B3 Podcast and we'll come up as well. At Blue Blood Bias on Twitter. Follow us there and you can vote in polls or kind of get involved in discussion on there. And uh, I look forward to making the next one for you guys. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time. The B3 Podcast.